the worst moments of our life. Hey, girl, hey, that's bad. Uh, so speaking of, like, worst ever experiences. That is the worst ever. I don't feel so good. And that was my worst audition How bad can it be? <laughs> and we feel the pain is best or funny. Welcome to Worst Ever Podcast. I'm your host, Christine Lakin. Ooh, bated breath. And my co-host. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to Worst Ever. Welcome to Worst Ever Podcast. I'm your host, Alaa Khaled. Today I'll be wearing Quarantina. You look great. I know. I, feel great. I really enjoyed the black. I, I liked the Covita you had on uh-huh, last week. But uh-huh. She's her twin. They're twins. There's something about Quarantina that's very yeah. um, Sarah Pantera. Pantera Sarah. Oh, not a lot of people are going to know that reference. But yes, Pantera Sarah is a club promoter here in Los Angeles. And in the 90s, 2000s, like every celebrity went to her club. And if you could get in her club, you were, you've, you've made it. Right. And we should have her on the podcast sometime. Yeah, there's something just very Pantera Sarah about that way. I should, have a, I, should have I, a, I should have a cigarette. Yes. <laughs> and she talks like this. She goes, she'll say stuff like, um, who's a good celebrity that I could use? Uh, oh, Tim, Justin Timberlake, let's say. She'll go, hey, I just talked to Justin. You know Justin. I was like, yeah, sir, I know Justin. Yeah. Uh, he's getting married in France, you know. <laughs> Oh, she's hilarious. I wonder oh, if our next God. guest knows uh, Pantera Sarah. We should ask her. Does our next guest live in California? Um, yes. Yes, she does. Um, and we are stoked to have her on the podcast today. Yeah, very um, lucky. She just wrote me. She's excited. She'll be on in a few minutes and she's game. Um, right. With us. So, okay, let's just do a quick update. Um, yeah. we're, we're about to enter a new phase here in California, which really feels like not that different from the first phase. It's not. Like, guys, new phase. But actually keep doing everything you're doing. And now you can just pick up things from Guitar Center by the curb. It's like, what? So huh? yeah, you could shop, floral shops, um, recreational stores like a Big Five or like sporting goods stores. Mm-hmm. Um, floral shops, uh, shopping, curbside. But that's all next week. I thought it starts tomorrow. That was Friday. Oh, yeah. I think you're right. Oh, thank yeah. God. Because you know what? I was going to say, people who own floral shops would be pissed about Mother's Day. Um, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're, they're delivering anyways. Wait. Oh, but, oh, you're saying for pickup. I, I gotcha. Yeah. They just can't go in. This, you know, they can't. But their floral shops are delivering. I um, thought they uh, weren't allowed uh, to be open. My bad. I'm sure they're not supposed to be open, but I can't imagine that they're not getting a call and going, I need a flower delivered to blah, blah, blah. And they're not dropping right. it off like an Amazon does. Right. What's the difference? Right. Did you remember Mother's Day is coming up? I have my uh, Lysol dream package headed towards my mother for Mother's Day. She's so excited. <gasps> I went back to the Walmart yesterday. I got in a fight with a lady. Why? At the cashier. Well, first of all, they stopped bags completely because people right. are, I guess, like you can't, you can bring bags, which is weird because you're bringing in diseases, but like, okay. well, Ralph's and Vons, you can't, right? but Walmart, you can't, and they didn't have any bags. So I had a full cart with, they had no bags for me to purchase. Right. I'm going, I don't get it. And then they only let you have, it used to be two Lysols. Uh-huh. Now they only let you have one. So I was trying to sneak my second. 
but How I have a new sneak that. Well, here's what I'm going to do next time. Get ready. Oh God. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring my own bag. I'm going to, I'm going to hide the Lysol in the bag, the, the wipes and the, whatever, if, whatever I find, then I'm going to go hide it in my sporting goods behind one of them behind the blah, blah, blah. Then I'm going to go check out, Hey, come back in with a different hat, a different, whatever, go to a different cashier, different wig, different wig, go to a different cashier and get my second. You're so weird. I told you, like, I would be amazing in Amazing Race. <laughs> Are you just hoarding the Lysol? No, no. Everything I, yeah, everything I've gotten, I've sent. Except I have one wipes for me that I use in the house, and I have uh, two sprays for me. The rest I've sent out. Okay. And I've had, You're I've gotten like for the family. Yeah, I've gotten like eight to ten sprays. I've gotten, you know, I just keep sending it away. Okay. Um, I just don't want my parents who are older to go but shopping. Our guest, okay, this is a fascinating, but our guest is here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you guys would know her from The Sopranos. And, what? Yes, and possibly from Broadway. Ladies no and, way. What do you mean possibly? Well, if people go to Broadway, they. Oh, they I thought you meant. Her. I thought I thought you meant possibly she was on it. No, she was on Broadway. <laughs> okay. And all kinds of other things. Jamie Lynn Siegler. I'm. She's. I'm admitting her right now. I feel like I've had so much power. With Go admitting ahead. people. Admit. I know, I, I don't have it. Hello. Hi. Here she is. You? I'm well. How are you? Oh, well, you know. <laughs> as well uh, as I can be. Hiding in my bedroom with noise canceling headphones. Love it. I need those. That's what I need too. I got a noise canceling wig. Is there a microphone on I it? Can hear I don't you. know. You, okay, as long as you can hear me. That's what I, that's what I need for life. I need to be able to like talk to my friends without hearing my kids screaming. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> you're like, I am right that's, there in that boat. <laughs> yep. I, I'm still drinking my coffee from this morning, trying to get it in. Yep. I know that game very well. Uh, Jamie, this is a la. Um, How are you, Jamie? I'm well. Don't and mind you? the wig. He's got I don't mind it now. Good for it's, you. I'm just going, this is my way of getting through the Corona mm -hmm. until this is over. There will be a wig. I have several now. I've had a sponsor, Rio mid city in new Orleans who sent me wigs. <laughs> I have two it's bobs. It's like a whole new thing you've started. I, I had two bobs coming this summer for bobs. the wigs. Yeah. Cause I'm hot. I'm dying right now. I'm not gonna I'm, lie. I'm about to cut all mine off. So I get <laughs> yeah. it. You need that yeah. summer hair. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is quarantina. So yeah, this is a quarantine. She's got a twin Covita and a cousin oh. Corona. Oh, wow. I'm really into all of this. It's the right whole now. thing. The it's Bob a, it's is, a whole the, thing. <laughs> the Bob is going to be called Isolationa. <laughs> Your creativity is through the roof and I'm actually jealous right now. I, my uh -huh. creativity is like... <laughs> Um, well, we were just talking about uh, Allah has a lot of family, um, as um, Middle Eastern people do, I think, but they are spread out all over and he is, has taken it upon himself as like a personal mission to get them all care packages of Lysols and wipes and whatever he can find. But it's now becoming like a game. It's like the amazing race. Every morning he's up at like 530 and standing in line at the Walmarts. And Are you really? Out, like, oh, you're going in person. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I'm going. I'm like first. Like yesterday, I was 
number one in line at Walmart. I run straight to aisle 24, which is cleaning. And then there's two, there's 24 and 25. Sometimes they hide some stuff in 25. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. It's a mission. It's like, it's literally like, I'm like, they know me there now. They, they're annoyed by me. Yeah. And then I, and then I go straight from there. I go straight to the pharmacy to see if there's gloves and masks. Look at you. This is great. I'm more of like the refresh. I used to, well, now it's easier to get the Instacarts, but for a while I had like seven carts open, just constantly finding a delivery time. It was scary for a couple of weeks there being like, yeah, are we going to get food? It was really weird for a second. Yeah, it was very weird. I've started doing the, um, the Ralph's pickup. So I'll find a delivery time and then I just kind of change and add on to my order. Um, yeah, you exactly. Know, you don't get everything that, cause stuff is out of stock, but it's been pretty easy. You just drive on in and call them and then they get it ready and they put it right in your trunk. That's nice. Yeah, no, my friends are hilarious cause they try to challenge me cause they're like, I can't get this. I'm like, oh yeah watch i'm getting it <laughs> um well I, we were just talking about like all the you know just the weird things might that have happened during this time so obviously i'm trying to keep in touch with my parents who are on the east coast and um the other day like we have all these different things we have facetime which every time they facetime me it literally looks like this that's how my dad that's how my dad <laughs> does like, too oh it's so good to see you and the kids i'm like mom 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 i can't i can only see the top of your head mom oh sorry i wasn't even looking at myself um, and we they've got on the zoom and my dad yesterday goes we've just gotten a new fax machine and i've sent you a fax can you please let me know if you've received it i was like dad i don't i don't have fax. <laughs> i don't even know where it would come in and he goes oh well i guess we can't fax now i was like why are we faxing i'm so confused about <laughs> Why are we not just scanning and emailing? Why? What are we? Fa- what are we even faxing about? What are we faxing? Why do people even have them anymore? We're How like, did you get one? That's like a new challenge for you, Ella. Go find another fax yeah. machine. Sorry. Well, I don't. I don't need to because Christine. I swear to you, my father does the same thing. Like we share the same accountant in Florida, so he's like, "Fax me your tax papers." I'm like, "Dad, I don't have a fax machine." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "I." And then he'll go, I faxed you the accountants, uh, the thing to sign. And I go, I don't have a fax machine. Where are you, Where are you faxing, faxing to? this to? I go, I don't even have a home number. It's going to the CIA, you guys. It's going straight to the government. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, okay, quick update. And then we want to roll into all of our usual worst ever moments. Yeah. But um, quick update from you. You seem like you're doing pretty well with the kids over there. How's it going? Today, my uh, two-year-old has become possessed by some demon I've never Mm -hmm. met before. Um, So thank you for giving me a reason to say I have to leave for a moment. Um, It's We've also, I don't know if it was like the universe talking to me, but like homeschool today was very light. Uh-huh. So I've just told my son he can play Xbox all day. Like we all are in the need of just like a kind of checkout. Yeah. I'm, I'm, cause I'm a big list checker. So when I get this, the work for school, I'm like, we got to get this done. And my husband has a full-time job. So he's locked away in a room and I'm ma- handling both of them. Yeah. It's great. And it's, and I'm, I'm like anxious for it to be done on both sides. Like, I don't want to do this anymore, but it's also like, I almost feel like I don't know how I'm going to go back into the real world in a way. It's weird, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's this one part of me, your children are six and two. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And mine are four and one and a half. Um, and it, there's a part of me that thinks that this age is really difficult, especially the four-year-old, because there's not really a ton of schoolwork. It's right. more like preschool activities. Um, and she's so used to being like so social that it's starting to become, you know, mommy, I don't understand. Like, why can't mm. I see somebody? Why can't we go to their house? Like she misses that so much. Yeah. And I want that for her. And I want like another sense of normalcy for all of us. But then on the other, like the weird flip side of the coin is as much as there have been the hardest moments, there's also been amazing moments. I've never yeah. spent this much quality time watching my kids grow up. So, you know, wow, hold on a like, second. This is the first time I've ever heard you say anything positive about this quarantine with yeah. your children. I'm not I kidding. I say a lot Jamie, of positive not- things, just not to you because you bring out the worst in me. Oh, okay. No, seriously, this is the first time that you've said anything. I'm, I want to just pay, I want to sit back for a second and listen to this. Go ahead, Christine. I mean, like we've done things that we, I think we've always wanted to do. Um, and we just, because of the busyness of life, it's like you don't slow down enough to make these things happen. Like we've had fires um, in our backyard. We had a fire pit and did marshmallows and roasted those. And, you know, we're like watching more movies as a family. We made popcorn from scratch. Like we're going biking and scootering. And it's just, it's kind of cool in many ways. But I will say it's, it, it reminds me of, it was the best of times. It was the worst, the worst of, times. of times. 100%. It kind of feels like that a little bit. And I don't, I don't think it's ending really anytime soon. It's just going to be different <clears throat> versions of yes. this, I guess. Yeah. I think you that's know? where a lot of the anxiety comes from of just like what, we, we don't know what we're going back to or if we go back to, it's just, you know, yeah. what is normal. If like, you know, his school is telling me we don't know what September will look like. I don't know what to do with my nanny because yeah. I'm paying her and she's not coming, but there's no real filming, right? Till at least the fall they're saying possibly. So like, yeah. and that's if I get a job. So it's like, do I bring, do I just pay someone and not come Cause what are we all going to sit here and just stare at each other? Cause I'm not going anywhere. So it's just like all of those things. And on top of it, then you start to like check yourself. Cause you're like, wait a minute, but I have food. I have, I'm financially stable. I am okay. Everyone I know and love is not sick. Like, you know, it's just that back and forth of like. Champagne oh. problems. Yes. Yes. For sure. For sure. I mean, you know, and also I feel like don't discredit your own feelings uh, because they're real. The, the uncertainty is, is real for all of us. And mm-hmm. the, um, you know, her preschool decided that they're going to reopen in a, in a month. And I'm sort of like, ah, I don't know. That feels a little weird to me, but yet yeah. we went to the pediatrician this morning for her yearly checkup. And he's like, we can't just all keep staring at each other. No, so, we have to start. A, we, we have to start. Going back out there. I mean, there's so wait that- a minute. Are you going to send Georgia to preschool? I haven't decided. There's a part of me that's like, I, I understand what the pediatrician's getting at. Um, and I do want that for her. The other side of it is, though, and we were probably, let's be honest, we were probably all, this, the coronavirus was around and we were living normally for months. Like, nobody oh, yeah, no, had a second I, thought. We about got it. it. Right. And you and I had it. So You had right. it too? Oh, wow. He gave it to me. <gasps> we were podcasting and then that yeah. night I got sick. 
Uh, I came, I and flew I back from New- five days later. I was in New York for a wedding on March. I was in Portland on a film for two weeks and then w- flew straight to New York on March 6th, came back on March 9th, podcasted with her on March 10th and got sick March 10th that night. Wow. And we both had like the same symptoms, mild versions of it, but yeah, yeah. It was, and it was so early on, I couldn't even get a test. We couldn't they get a test like, at first. There was no right. test. Then, then my roommate got it. You gave it to so your roommate too. I gave it to my roommate. So after his two weeks of quarantine, I got retested and was tested negative. And now I'm just trying to get the antibodies test. I was going to say, that's what was my question. Did you yeah. get it, Christine? The antibodies? No, but I, I, I had a telehealth with my doctor yesterday and she ordered it for me for now. Okay. Yeah. Because you have to, it's so many days after you, if you thought you had it, you, it's done. They need, it's like 23 days after that, the antibodies would form. So. Oh, got it. Definitely been 23 days. I just kind of, it doesn't really make a difference at this point in time, but I kind of like to know. Yeah. I was very sick in December. It was very quick though. It was like three or four days. That's how mine was. Massive body chills. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I just remember I didn't feel like eating. I don't know if I lost my sense of taste, but I just didn't feel like eating. Um, just really, really bad body chills. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe I did have it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have... think it presents very differently. That's what I think everyone. is what's confusing. Yeah. My mom, well, they think, had it. And she had, she lives in New York, and she just had um, a very bad sore throat. No temperature, no cough, but her blood pressure was like 210. Ooh. So she was put on bed wow. rest for five days. Um, so she's going to take the antibody test as well. Yeah. Well, my roommate had just a slight fever for like a day. No symptoms whatsoever. The only reason he got tested was because I made him come. I was like, just go because I'm getting one. You might as well get one just to make sure. And sure enough, because he was feeling fine. Sure enough, like you're positive. Wow. So he was, he's totally asymptomatic. Well, I'll tell you, Jack's supposed to start preschool in July. Yeah. And if it's open, he's going. (laughs) (laughs) Girl, I feel you though. I mean, see ya. Yeah. My other thing is though, like, I wonder, you know, I'm not particularly worried about her. And that's what the the pediatrician said too. He's like, that doesn't feel like a huge risk. Is it a risk that she might carry something and bring it home to you? I mean, but that's always a risk. That's what he said too. And he's like, that's just life. I mean, my kids haven't been sick this whole quarantine because they're not in school, but normally one of them's always got some kind of runny nose situation coming, bringing home. I mean, well, my thing, my thing is this, it's not even just the the illnesses. It's what the children are going to say. Like, okay. Preschool might be different, but like, I'm curious to say like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, like the way they have to isolate how different it's going to be. And do I want my, if I had kids, would I want them to be a part of that? Like weird, like weird culture. Like, well, I think because my son is in kindergarten, he only had one moment when they told, when they said that they're officially not going back for the rest of the year, he had like a, he was really sad. Like he was like, what my teachers, I want to be in kindergarten again. Like this is hard. But with that being said, he's young enough that he's like, you know, can go with the flow where if, when they go back in the fall, if it's like half the class, what if they have to alternate, if they have to keep some distance in the playground, which I don't know how you ask kids to do that. 
I mean, right. they'll go with it, but it's the older kids, maybe like the more third, yeah. fourth, fifth graders that like are well into a routine that are like, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, the other thing is like, I also now being a full-time stay at home mom, um, I have so much respect for women who choose this. Yes. And even women who don't necessarily choose it, but have this is now what their role in their, in their household is. It is so hard. Um, and between all of the picking up of, of 30 pound children that I've been doing over the last, cause they're just clinging to me like amoebas. I have now bruised or somehow um, uh, stretched the pectoral muscles. Oh Jesus. In my chest so badly. That, um, I, I mean, I had to go into the doctor. I thought I was having chest pains. Now that's how crazy this has all made me. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm having, mm-hmm. I'm having chest Your pains. arms look great though. Uh, thank you. I mean, my guns are never going to look, look better you, than girl. I right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm literally picking up a 30 pound kid, but I went in, I was like, I'm having chest pains and I just, I don't know what's going on. I thought in my crazy brain, I was like, maybe I had Corona maybe like a month and a half later, it came still in your chest. It, like I was right. And then she's like looking at me and she's talking to me and she's like, have you been picking up a lot of heavy weights lately? I was like, no, I've been doing yoga and just, you know, picking up children. Oh my gosh. I pick up like a 30 pound kettlebell at least 25 to 30 times a day. Right. (laughs) That'll do it to you. Get back in school. Um, All right. Well, we, let's move on to you because you're the most interesting thing in the room. Um, I, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to go back and start a little bit about how you got into the business, how old you were, what was like the, what were the true beginnings? You were in New York and mm-hmm. was it theater? Yeah. So I grew up on Long Island and um, I mean, no one, no one around me. I had two older brothers who were heavily into sports. Although my oldest brother, I want to say for like Hanukkah one year, got a, um, a camera with like where we used to have to carry around a box that had the right. video cassette in it with the camera. So like my other brother was the video guy and I was always the star of his movies. I was like three or four years old. So we used to love to play pretend and make movies and whatnot. But around the age of eight or nine, I joined a musical theater class and loved it. And, you know, had one teacher say like, you have kind of an ear for music, she's on key. And so I started singing lessons. And from then just started doing community theater in Long Island. And that was like my life. Like I was, anytime there was a role for a kid, I was there. It was my home away from home. And my mom was just trying to, you know, kind of figure out how to support this, but with having no access to like anyone that knew anything about the business, but kind of things just happen little bits here and there. I kind of through word of mouth, got this agent. And then I started doing like, I did summer stock when I was 12 years old. And then I did a national tour when I was 13. And, and you, so music, you were driving, your mom or dad was like driving you in. Just my mom. For all the, mom. My brothers were five and eight years older. So by the time I was really getting into it, they were teenagers. So it was easier for my mom. And then my grandmother would take me when my mom couldn't. Um, like my mom would, when I was on the national tour, my mom would stay with me for like three weeks and then my grandmother would come watch me for like three weeks and kind of like that. That's wild to me. I always think about when I go see like Frozen, okay, to see Frozen at the Pantages and there's these kids on stage and I'm like, 
because I have so many Broadway friends who talk about, you know, being on tour and doing the national tour of this or that and yeah. what a grind it is, but it's also so fun. And, but when you're a kid, what is that? Oh, it was the greatest thing in the world because really I also, I had it. a, I loved it. I, I was a, like a die hard theater kid. What show and was it? It was, a it was the musical version of it's a wonderful life. It was an original oh. show. Oh Yeah. And um, I had a tutor and we finished my work within like a month that my school had sent because it was like a four month tour. So I didn't really have much work other than learning my Haftor from my bat mitzvah that I would send my recordings back to my cantor for. And um, it was the greatest thing in the world because, you know, you hanging out with the adults and you would go to the after parties and the diner after the show and you were living in hotels and it was actually a bus and truck tour though. There was no airplane. So this was like a real grind. Wow. But it was the greatest thing in the world. And um, so then when I was around like 15, 16, there weren't many like teenage roles in musical theater at the mm -hmm. time. And so I decided that that summer I was going to try and be like a normal kid, like all my friends and go to sleepaway camp because oh. I'd never done it and I wanted to try it. And Prior to me leaving, I got a call from my agent at the time that said there was this show called Sopranos. They're looking for a 16-year-old Italian-looking girl. Do you want to go in? And I figured I could pass for Italian. And Sopranos, it must be musical. <laughs> <laughs> so Amazing. I went. And I was like, and I get to go in the city and probably do a little shopping with my mom, whatever. And it was just, you know, I didn't think much of it because I, I would have had auditioned a little bit here and there for TV or film and nothing ever bit. So I just didn't think I was like right for it. But I had a very strong New York accent at the time and, you know, was very well versed in like having a snotty conversation with my mother, which was mm -hmm. what the scene was. Um, so I got called back and called back and called back and a couple of weeks, I think it was like a three week or one month process and I got the part. So I wow. didn't go to sleepaway camp and we shot the pilot that summer. Wow. Do you remember, do you remember, are there any other famous kids or famous actors that might have gone up for that role? <laughs> it was between myself and do you know Christy Carlson Romano? Hilarious. <laughs> yes. It was between me and her. No and her and I used way. to audition um, all the time with musical theater. Oh she yeah, usually, she, she usually well. would get it. She yeah. was always usually the one that got it. So um, yeah, it was between Christy and I. Wow, mm -hmm. that's crazy. Yeah. And do you test with, um, who did you test with? No, Jim wasn't cast yet. Um, uh, an actor named John Ventimiglia, who played Artie Bucco on the show, um, read Tony with me. Wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. But it was at the HBO offices in New York City. And again, I think because I was so young that like I almost didn't allow myself to get too nervous because it was just like, <laughs> what? fuck is this? And I'm probably not going to get it, you know, as opposed to now when I'm like having to say my affirmations and like a nervous wreck before I go in anywhere. Right. Well, and also you were like, eh, and if I don't get it, I mean, sleep. I'm going camp, to camp. Guys. By yeah. the way, that was the real goal there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. And that whole experience, I mean, you guys shot uh, mostly on location or mm -hmm. you had some, some stages. Uh, we had a stage at a place called Silver Cup Studios in yeah. Queens. Um, yeah. And that was where like the interior of the house was. And then depending on the scene, uh, the season, like in season three, I, my character was in college. So my dorm room was on that stage. The back room with a bada bing was there, Melfi's office, but then mm -hmm. everything else was location, which was great. I mean, filming all around, 
you know, New York City and New Jersey, and that's where I'm from. So it was great. And it felt very authentic, I'm sure, yes, to you. Yes, yes. Uh, my husband had never seen The Sopranos, and I was a big fan. So we started watching it, like, I think we were engaged, and I think we got through, like, episode two or three, and we were drinking a little bit. And it, it <laughs> he said that, it, like, we were watching, like, two or three episodes in a row, and by the end of the second or beginning of the third I had adopted some kind of like Edie Falco personality. And he was like, I can't watch this show with you. You're becoming like a crazy person. I was like, what are you talking about? And I was literally like, come here. You know, when she has that moment with like the nails. Yes. Like, I can't. This show is turning you into someone I don't know. Oh my I God, I love it. So much. I was like embodying it. Um, oh, she's such a, amazing. Amazing. It must have just been, I mean, and also to be so young and surrounded by such incredible talents yeah such an amazing just watching them work and you know growing up with them um and uh watching their craft like what an incredible like kind of breeding ground for you for sure and you know what's interesting is um I started watching it during quarantine for the first time ever oh you're kidding I'm in the middle of the second season because like I haven't watched it in probably three weeks because you know there's yeah I'm exhausted but um, I'm actually glad that I waited this long because A, I mean, I'm sure you know and you feel like when you watch yourself, you're so critical and it's too much. So there's been enough time. I mean, it's 20 something years, but now it's almost like I get it. I yeah. get what this show means to people because I can sit and really watch as an audience. And I knew everyone was amazing and I knew the writing was amazing, but like watching I'm like, the show is so funny. Yes. And and everyone down to like the people that just have one line are so fucking good that it's almost given me this like my mojo back a little bit of like, this is cool. I got to be part of something like really awesome because Sopranos is always the lead of, into any conversation I have. And I've never been resentful of that, but it's right. almost like you start to feel like, am I anything besides this? Sure. And so now watching it and really appreciating and getting it, I'm just like, but that's, I get it. Yeah. This is, yeah. if I don't do anything else for the rest of my life, this was really cool. Well, that's my question. My next question for you is like, how hard has it been to transition? Like, are you typecast at this point? I mean, were you for a while or? I don't know if I'm typecast, but I think even still today, there's just like a bit of like, oh, well, Jamie's very specific. She's this. And, right. you know, there's the, there's the, there's always been, you know, that huge part of me that's like really wanted to fight back against that and been really frustrated. And I've quit acting a bunch of times, um, especially since I've had kids, like I've taken a year off here, a year off there. But I feel like now it's almost at this place where I'm like, I, I'm confident in what I can do. And I just know the right thing will find me like it did even when I was 16. You know, it's, 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 I mean, Christine, I'm sure you can like understand this when you have a, sh get something when you're young and you have success when you're young, like actors have struggles up and down, but when you're young, it's, it's almost more difficult later because you feel like you're supposed to like Day in this certain level and if you don't you're some type of failure and you're Absolutely, not and I think yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to say is like no I I I won it just happened to be at a young age but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen again and if it doesn't that's okay but like yeah it, it, this is just that's just life no matter what your career anything and I think that just you know it's it's a it's a process to kind of learn how to deal with that um so I 
I just am, I'm just hanging in and making sure I stay sharp and staying in class and doing what I can. So I'm ready when the next shot comes, you know? That's, I, I mean, that's the greatest advice to anyone out there, just who either wants to do this, who wants to continue doing this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, it can become this like measure up thing. Of, yeah. Well, you did this one thing then, and that was really great, but like, you know, you never achieved that again. And let's be clear, getting anything on the air is hard enough. Getting a show that is like, like, you know, iconic, that people remember, that it becomes a zeitgeist of it or a touchstone of that time in, in television history is lightning in a bottle. 100%. So, you know, it, it is amazing if you can ever experience it once. Um, and very few people ever experience it on a multiple, you know, multiple levels. So it's like well, every, every wave you ride is its own thing. I, I think also, I think also it, actors are, may, and may, I could be wrong, might be in a better place now because there's so many platforms to work uh, in and including, you know, and a lot of people are creating their own content. Mm -hmm. and, and so I just feel like, it's a great time for people who are established, who have had a career to, and to do multiple type of platforms, whether it be Quibi or Netflix or Amazon or whatever it is. Um, and even I've seen a lot of actors going into the reality world too, as well. You know, I don't know. I just think the industry is so different. It is. There's not as, there's not as much stigma. Anymore. Right. I will, I will say though, that also a lot that has come into play with like sort of my relationship with this business has been my journey with living with MS, because I think that even when I talk about like how I was like such a diehard theater kid, like for me now, because of certain physical limitations that I have because of this disease, like, and I can't dance and stuff, it's almost like I feel like that was me and then I'm a different person yes. now and that's been a big kind of struggle and sort of I've limited myself like I'll read a script and be like oh I couldn't do that or I can't you know I'll just you know no one would want me for that because I can't run or I can't do this or that and I've you know had to kind of talk myself in and out of the fact that um you know acting isn't about it acting is emoting and telling a story and the right. trying to be truthful with it. It's not necessarily how you walk and move. And I know I've lost out on certain things because of it. And I know that people have written me off because of it. And then I know a lot of other people that haven't cared and have worked it in or worked around it. And so uh -huh. I think I've had enough experience with that, that I'm just also trying to truly accept all the parts of me and still feel like I'm worthy of, of opportunity, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I want to touch on that a little more if, if you're okay with that. Um, so w w what was the first indicator to you that something was amiss or were you n not aware? And so when I was 19 years old, so I was between the second and the third season, <clears throat> I had filmed this like movie that nobody will ever see in like, um, like the wooded areas of New Jersey. And everyone was like saying to be wary of ticks, things like that. And a couple of weeks after we wrapped the movie, I started to feeling like this numbness tingling in both my legs. And over the course of like a week, it was like rising up to my hips and I was having trouble moving. So I went to the ER and I ended up being in the hospital for like two weeks. They couldn't oh, figure wow. out what was wrong. And they ruled out MS because they did a spinal tap, MRIs, didn't see any lesions. So they diagnosed me with Lyme's disease. They gave me a bunch of steroids, antibiotics, 
and it seemed to be fine. And then about a year and a half after that, I started feeling the same thing again. And I went to the hospital thinking, oh, I'm just going to get some antibiotics and it'll be fine. And did the spinal tap and MRI just to make sure. And then I was obviously shocked when the neurologist walked in and said, I have to tell you, you have multiple sclerosis. Wow. And I was 20. <clears throat> and wow. I was very fortunate to be diagnosed by a doctor that said to me, you know, after he said those words, he said, but there's no reason to think that you can't live a very long, very healthy life. You can still act. He's like, if you were a professional dancer, I might say at a certain point we have to rethink things, but like there's don't, there's a, we can be positive here. We can stay on top of it. We can be positive, um, which was helpful. But also at the same time, I was advised by other people to keep it a secret. Don't tell anyone. And I understand that, that they were- At that time. At mm-hmm. that time. It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand people were just trying to protect me, but it ended up creating this Space in this relationship with the MS that was really unhealthy for the next 10 years. And so as symptoms got worse, like during certain times of my life, um, you know, I went through a divorce a couple of years later, a lot of ups and downs, the disease started to manifest and keeping it a secret and hiding it and not telling people was like my own struggle. And it made it 10 times harder. Oh, sure. And I kind of rebelled against, I was supposed to give myself these like really painful injections every week and I just didn't want to do it. And I just wasn't a good patient. Um, but during all like those tumultuous 10 years of, of like keeping it a secret and like, so I would slowly open my circle and tell certain friends, things like that. Um, it was, it led me down um, a spiritual path that I don't think I would have found without it. So now being 38, I'll be 39 next week. I am at this like whole other place with MS in the way that um, it's always was like what it's taken away from me, what it's done to me. And now it's almost like what it's given me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's given me a lot. Do I still wish it would go away? Of course. Um, sure. Do I still have my days where I just like cry and I'm frustrated? Absolutely. But um, I had a director actually tell me once, he's like, Jamie, everybody has something and this is your thing. Right. You know, it's, it's not taking away your value of like the person that you are. It's just your thing in this life that you're, you know, have to deal with. And well, that's, that's what I was going to say as well. It doesn't define you. It's just, right. it's, you know, it's something that you live with. Yeah. You know, and it took a long time for me to, you know, and I think that asking for help for anyone in general is really hard, but it was like a true lesson in that. And I think that now, like, even when I step on a set and I'll say to the director, anyone like, Hey, is it easier? Can I do this? It's easier for me. And you know, everyone is so willing to help. And it's almost like a gift that you give others. People are so happy to Mm -hmm. help and they feel good about themselves. And it's, it's just sort of like this, you know, given return. And it's, it's taught me a lot about people and given me faith in people. And, and really I've seen a beautiful side of many people because of it too. Wow. I, I'm just curious. Cause I don't really know much about MS. <clears throat> Is there different 
types of yes. MS? Okay. Um, there's different types. It's but you know what? It's almost like Corona. It like affects everybody differently. Right. Uh-huh. It's this weird thing. Um, there's like certain symptoms that are co- like common denominators amongst it, but everybody's different. But for me, um, I'm very fortunate. It doesn't affect me cognitively at all. I don't have fatigue, nothing in my upper body. It's all my lower body. So a lot of it began with like bl- issues with my bladder, which, you know, as a young person is like difficult to deal with. Sure, and, yeah. and, you know, you feel like an old lady, you know, when you're young. Um, and then my legs. So, you know, my, it's, it's very poetic, but the very last time I was ever able to run was the very last scene I shot for Sopranos where I'm running into the oh, wow. finale, like probably a week or two later. I just, I remember running to go, wanting to run to go hail a cab in New York city and like, couldn't oh run. Oh my gosh. Wow. So that was when I was 26. So <clears throat> like 13 years of not being able to run, um, some coordination, balance, like high heels I can't really do. Um, but like, you know, those are the things like you, you make do, you figure right. out. Um, I think my kids have given me a lot of confidence um, because I just see how much physically I do with them and still can do. Um, and that they still look at me as an awesome mom and like, it doesn't matter to them that I can't run with them at the park. Mm-hmm. They are so happy if I just sit on the floor and play with them. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, all those things have, have helped me realize and shift my focus more on what I can do as opposed to what I can't. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I think it's, um, I think it's so brave of you to be so open about it because it it's something that affects people of all kinds and um, uh, doesn't really matter your age. It's like not mm-hmm. necessarily that thing that, you know, you wait till you're 60 or 70 to be diagnosed with. Right. And, uh, and like you said, everybody's got something that they've, they've got to work through. Yeah. Um, and it, so now in terms of like your treatment and stuff, do you, um, what does that look like for you? Are you on a constant mm-hmm. Yeah, now so you're, I do. Now you're a better patient than you were. I'm a much better patient. I also <laughs> found like the right doctor only a couple of years ago. When I came came public about it, um, a friend put me in touch with this doctor that just changed my life. And um, so, I, yeah, I am on medication. Um, I stay on top of my 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 fitness, um, which I never used to do. Um, and I just really have to like you know honor and i truly have believed there is like a whole mind body connection yes. because when i'm feeling good when i'm thinking positively my body reacts so when i'm stressed when i'm a lot of things which by the way we're human we go through it my body reacts like i'm a very sensitive being and it's mm-hmm. like almost like my body really talks to me of yeah. like where i'm at and so yeah. um I've, I've picked up a lot of things along the way, like meditation and um, things like that, that, it, that helped me get through those times for yeah. sure. That's and for, again, forgive me because I don't know a lot about MS. Yeah. Is it a genetic thing or no. is it? No, um, I think it can be. I don't carry the genetic form of it from what we've kind of tried to figure out. It seems that possibly I had some sort of dormant MS gene in there and the Lyme's disease is what, Woke Got up. it. Okay. 
So the Lyme disease did exist. You weren't. Oh, I was def- I was positive for Lyme disease. If you oh, test okay. me now, I still am. But oh, and it. I've gone back and forth of like trying to treat the Lyme's and everything because I think this it's a controversial thing. But a lot of people talk about that, and you know, mm-hmm. people are very are kind and mean well. But you know, people write me on social media like you have Lyme's, just don't mistake it. But you know, to each their own with their journey of this. But I've done my due diligence, and I that's what I believe is is the case with me. Yeah. Lyme's disease is super weird, you know? Another weird one. Another yes. weird one. Again, like it can affect people in so many different ways. It can mm-hmm. come and go, you know? Um, yeah. I've had friends that have dealt with that and it's like, oh God, from once from the smallest thing, the tiniest yeah. like tick, you know, oh, I know this is like, and so uh, I imagine you never want to watch that movie ever again that you filmed in the woods. <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever seen it, but you know who's cool that was in it was Charlie Day. I remember I was like, "Oh, you're you're gonna you're gonna be a star one day." That's great. What's the movie called? Uh, maybe it's called Campfire Stories, something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Something along those lines. Oh, you know who else is in it? Do you know Abigail Spencer? She's in it. Yes. Oh wow. Um, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All the all the East Coast kids. That is so funny. So weird. Did they have insurance? Is there a lawsuit ready to happen? No, (laughs) it's not their fault. My God. I mean, that's the first thing I was like, like, sue them. Now I'm just going to search for the producers of Campfire Stories or whatever it's called. I'm sure Campfire Stories will pony up. We are going to take a little break here, but don't worry. We will be back next week with part two with Jamie Lynn Siegler. What a sweetheart. Have a great week, guys. Worst moments of our life. Hey, girl. Hey, that's bad. Uh, so speaking of like worst ever experiences. That is the worst ever. I don't feel so good. And that was my worst audition ever. How bad can I be? <laughs> when we feel the pain is best or funny. 